This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and I might advise you to beware the Ides of the week. Now, I, I know you thought I was going to say the Ides of March, which is the 15th of March, like the middle of March. I think that's what the Ides mean. No, I mean the middle of the week, which would be Wednesday, right? So you got... Um, you know, if you're counting Sunday to Saturday, Wednesday smack in the middle. If you're counting the five work days, Wednesday again is smack in the middle. So beware, at least Amy and I should, when it comes to our car, the middle of the week, the Ides of the week. Um, two Wednesdays ago, and I know two doesn't make a pattern, but two Wednesdays ago, uh, as you know, uh, Amy is uh, working at a, a silk screening shop down there in Minneapolis, and I will be joining her working there soon in a couple of weeks. I got a little note about that later in the show coming up. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, and thus far since she's been working there, I pretty much drop her off just before 9 and I pick her up around noon. So it's a three hour day kind of thing for now. But it's, she's, you know, I think I've even mentioned this before, she's sensing that it's ramping up. She could be staying there a little bit longer, and she certainly will once I go in there. Because you know, I'm gonna we're gonna want to get as many hours as we can uh, within reason, you know, with the, within the workload, right? So that you know, because we don't want to overwhelm the company. <laughs> Don't be there too much. Anyway, so Wednesday, I get her. I I, I pick her up at noon. And we're he- and we head home. We get a dropper here, and I head over to the house. Now this is two Wednesdays ago. I head back to the office, I should say, and I get there, and and I get to the office with about an hour or so to go before I have to go and meet my boss somewhere to um, giving him the time cards the, for that pay time uh, for that pay period, and he's going to give me some uh, um, supplies that he's picked up. And there's a place that we meet up. To do this exchange, uh, that you know, okay, so that's where we're gonna meet. So I get out to my car to head out to meet up with the boss. I text him just before I go, saying I'm on my way. I get to the car, start to drive. It's a little sluggish pulling out of its parking spot. Just a something's not quite right. And as I pull onto the street and start to move a little bit, I can hear a sound, a sound that I'm familiar with, uh, a sound that tells me. I have a flat tire. Hmm. Yeah. So I turn right around, go back into the parking lot, hop out, and sure, and 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 take a look. And, for, and sure enough, there it is. The right front tire is flat. 
So, uh, great. Uh, I text the boss. I have a flat tire. Uh, I'm going to have to take the van to come out to meet him. Well, he calls me almost immediately. He says, are you still at the office? And I, I was. And he says, well, I'll just come over to you. I said, okay. So while I'm waiting for him to get there, I thought, well, let's see what I can do about this tire. Now, uh, it's this is kind of an interesting coincidence. It's just a coincidence. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a coincidence. Coincidences happen. It doesn't mean you have to read some kind of deep, significant occurrence into it. It's just a coincidence. Okay, they happen all the time. The previous Sunday, when Amy and I were... Uh, visiting with my friend Craig before going to see the, the, the tool show. Um, Craig was one of the people that we met up there. Uh, well, you know, that went to see the tool show along with Amy and I and, and another one of the Minnesota Skeptics elders. It was a you know, group of us. Although, Amy and I, we had closer seats. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> and I did enjoy the show. Didn't know a single song. Enjoyed the show. Anyway, we were talking, you know, small talk before leaving, and uh, the subject came up about, I don't know, tires or spare tires in a car or something like that. Don't know why, just did. And I, and I, and I, I told Craig, I said, well, you know, our Kia Soul, our 2014 Kia Soul, the only Soul that Amy and I own, you know, S-O-U-L, it's the only Soul that we own, because, you know, there are no other kinds of Souls. Well, soul music. There's that. Anyway, uh, we were just telling them that you know the car didn't come with a spare. What they do is to, uh, I don't know, keep the cost down, keep the weight down for fuel efficiency. Because a spare would weigh just a little bit more than what they put in there. They put a little kit. They put a little tire kit in there. And what that consists of essentially is a is a small air compressor. It doesn't compress small air. It's just the, the unit itself is small. And uh, a little canister of something, of some stuff. right? And I, So I, I, I break that out, and I'm looking at the instructions about it. And it does say that you can you take the hose that comes off the compressor, connect it to this little canister thing, take another hose that they provide to put it on the other side of the canister thing, and then hook that into the tire and start the air pumping into it. But then they also show that you can just not use that canister thing and just hook up the hose to the tire and put straight air into the tire. That's the option I chose. I thought that you know this canister stuff must be some kind of sealant. I don't know. But I didn't want to mess with it for whatever reason. I got the tire filled with 30 to 40 pounds of pressure but there was still something that happened to it because it was still leaking air. Uh, the boss got there you know we did our exchange of stuff Yes, passing vehicle. Let's go. You know, look into getting a muffler. Anyway, um, so we exchanged the stuff that we were going to bring, that we were going to do elsewhere, and and then he offers to. I said, "Well, I got to get going because I can see the air is coming out of the tire. I can see it's getting a little flatter." And so I said, "We got to get going down to the tire store, and or I got to get going there." And he offered to follow me just to make sure I got there, and I did. And they got the car right in. It was not super busy, so they got the car right in. And and fix the tire. It's the the puncture was on uh, on the facing of the tire, the, the where it hit where the rubber hits the road. You know, if it's too close to the edge of it or if it's on the sidewall, they can't fix it with, by plugging it. Uh, but but with this, 
that kind of a thing. They can fix it, and they and the fix is really good, and it lasts for as long as that tire lasts. Uh, which apparently I have a pretty good life left in the tire. Uh, so that was great, and what was even greater is they don't charge you to do it. Now I don't know how common that is around the country here in the United States. I don't know if it's just that particular car uh, tire company or other you know tire stores. I don't know. I don't know if it's a common practice or not, but this is like the third time over the years where I've had a tire go flat and had some, you know, like a bolt or something got stuck in the tire. Um, this is like the third time. I think it's the third time that I've had this happen and they fixed it up and that was it. No charge. First time it happened, it was just surprised the hell out of me. My, my in-laws, well, my father-in-law, after my mother-in-law died, um, gave us the, the van that they had because, you know, he wasn't going to use it. So gave it to us, and I, you know, there was the tire was going low, and I had like 20 minutes before the place closed, and I got it over there, and they fixed it up, and they and I went to pay for it, and they said no, no, no charge, and and it, really, and the idea is, you know, we don't charge you for this repair, but when you're ready to get new tires, bring it on back to us, which is what I've been doing. So they fixed it all up. Told me I was good to go. Uh, the guy did say that uh, uh, slight, slight concern about uh, about that 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 particular particular kind of puncture that happens. It's just a slight concern. He said it's fixed. It's 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 drivable. It's fine. But he said if you if it, any kind of problem with that tire uh, comes up, let us you know bring it on in and we'll we'll take a look at it again. So and it's been fine. It's been fine since. All right. Then I asked him. I said. This boy, you know, people need to get quieter cars. <laughs> or maybe I should do this in a closet and put soundproofing in there. <sighs> anyway, I'm trying to do a show here. Anyway. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, I was talking about cars. Uh, I, I, anyway, so I asked him about that sealant thing. The little plastic canister that's in there. I said, it's, it's, is that a sealant? He said, yeah, that's a sealant. It's supposed to kind of penetrate any cracks and, you know, it's supposed to, you know, fill it up a little bit better. And he said, don't use it. <laughs> I said, well, I didn't. And he said, you know, it's, it's just, you know, don't use it. It's, it's not, it's, it makes a mess and it's, it's not, don't use it. That's what he said. So that was two Wednesdays ago. This past Wednesday, just this past week, Wednesday, again, driving out to pick up Amy, you know, going to get out there by at noon or so, and we were heading on back home, driving on the freeway, and it was a little precipitation in the air, uh, so the roads were a little wet, and people were driving a little slow, and, you know, and, uh, and a quick slowdown happened at one point. I didn't, I didn't slam on the brakes or anything, but I hit them a little harder to stop. And uh, or at least slow down, and uh, and when I did that, I heard a little squeal, and I uh, I, I looked over at Amy. Yes, was that us? And she, I, what us? What that squeal? I don't know. I didn't hear it. Anyway, so uh, so I, we were able to go back to accelerating, and once doing that, I started hearing uh, like a metal scraping sound. Just uh, what is that? Is that us? Is that us? That's not us, is it? Is that us? And cars are going by on the left, and I'm looking and listening. And open up the window. Is this? Is that them? Is that the other car? Well, I figured it out that it was us, as it as it would be. 
uh, you know, as, as it would turn out. It was us. And and so we get, uh, I think, well, I got to get off the freeway. Don't know what's going on. Something at the back end of the car was making the sound. So I get off on the, the next exit and pull onto that street. And uh, it's just, you know, it's a regular street. It's not onto another freeway. Uh, and it's... I'm going to just find a parking lot to pull in and take, get out and take a look, and we'll see. First parking lot available to turn into, it's on the driver's side, so I turn into it, and I stop, and, I, and uh, Amy says, she's looking at she says, oh, it's an auto repair shop. And I look over, and sure enough, it is. I said, okay, great. So I got out and looked at the, at the, uh, the back end, and I didn't see anything, although I... I did see what the problem was. I just didn't recognize it because I'm not, you know, I'm not a car guy. What do I know? But I, it's, I was just seeing if maybe something was stuck under there or, or something, you know. And um, I didn't see anything, so we go on into the, into, you pull it into the proper part of the lot for the for customers. Go on in and say, well, back end of our car just started making this noise, and they they said, well, we'll get it in. We'll take a look. So it'll take a little time. So we ended up. They, being there for like I don't know two and a half hours, but uh, you know we 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 walked out and got something you know some lunch for Amy because you know she hadn't eaten so went over somewhere nearby to kill some time. Uh, turns out it was my rear brakes. They had just gotten really really thin, especially on the uh, right rear tires. Very thin. Uh, my front brakes were fine. Uh, they were in like, like that middle range of wear. So they, I've got some time yet, and I went, oh, that's right. I think the last time I did brakes, it was just at the front because the rear brakes were fine. So, okay, made sense. We got the brakes fixed. and else. But that's two Wednesdays in a row. And I know two does not make a pattern, but two Wednesdays in a row, something happening with our car. I'll let you know what happens next week. So I was going to uh, mention a little something about uh just quick you know this is sort of a tales from the janitor's closet because it does deal with the janitor jobs that i do as you heard me talk about last week uh, i've accepted an offer working at a place that i used to work at before my wife is currently working there they've offered me a uh, little more money and and the uh, the opportunity to not have to manage people which is one of the main reasons for me wanting to get out of the uh, office managing job for this maintenance company. It's the, one of the main reasons I want to get out. I'm just tired of dealing with it. Now, I tell you, I can see down the road the trouble the company is in. There's, and I, I won't go into all of it here, but I can see that it, there's there's trouble. And, uh, uh, and, the, and the owners, um, I think, are if they were not aware of the trouble that's down the road they're uh, they're becoming aware of it now now that they realize that they they have to figure out what to do when i'm gone so and you know at that first week the boss kept dropping little guilt statements and uh, here and there and i'd let him go and he did this week a little bit too and it didn't get too you know didn't get after him too much about it i just I at one point i said to him he says you know you got to stop with the guilt trips because <laughs> he said oh, i don't mean to guilt you and i said no yeah you're guilting me so you got to stop with that 
Okay, now I want to give some advice. Um, well, here, before I get to that. He had said uh, that um, he had asked if I could, you know, um, could you, because I'm, I'm not leaving completely. I mean, I'm leaving the office. But I do some part-time work for them after, you know, in the evenings where I clean a couple of our properties. And I said, I'll hang on to those because the it'd be nice to get the money that we get for that. That's nice. And I don't want to throw it all onto the supervisor because he'd have to fill those buildings because they can't hire anybody. That's one of the troubles that I've been seeing that's that's coming their way. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'll do that. And I and I defined it, and I told him, "Look, I'm not going to fill in. I'm not going to check on buildings. I'm just going to be responsible for the properties I'm responsible for. Those are the ones I'm going to do, and that's it." So I told him. But he asked, "Would you maybe do time cards? You know, we pay you. You know, doing you come in after hours and do the time cards. Could you maybe?" And I said, well, "I don't. Know. I need to keep my key." Yeah, that'd be fine. I trust you. And I said, "Well, I'll think about it." And that was like one day. And then the next day, he says, he asked me again. He says, you know, you could do the time cards. Um, and if you do the time cards, oh, could you could you do the monthly order, the big order that of, of supplies and that? Can you, can you do that? And oh, um, uh, and what was the other thing? Um, oh, and do the monthly check-in emails with the customers, because I do that every month. I was do that every month. At the end of the month, I'd send out just a quick email just to see if customers have any questions, just to check in with them. And I he, these three things, and I thought. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> you want me to do these after hours where you're going to pay me at the rate that you pay me for cleaning buildings, which is lower than he pays me for doing the office. So you're going to, I'm going to do the same, these three, three tasks that I've already been doing for you. You want me to do them after hours now. You'll pay me for it, but you'll pay me less than what I was doing them for. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, this is going in my head. And I said to him, I am leaving the office. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do time cards. I'm not going to do the monthly ordering. I'm not going to check in with customers. I'm out, I'm leaving the office. Okay, okay. So, to your employers out there, you people who own businesses and you have somebody that works for you, somebody that's worked for you for a long time, somebody that's you know moving on, and it's going to be difficult to replace them. But you know it could happen. You can replace maybe. I guess I got just two pieces of advice for advice for you. Two things to not do. You know, if you're trying to get them to change their mind and not leave you, there's two things that you need to not do. One, the boss said to me this past week. He said, "We we were going to give you a dollar raise next month. We were going to do that." And I, you know, and I said, oh, well, yeah, I'm sorry, but, you know, okay. Instead of saying, oh, you were, really, really, you were going to give me a dollar raise next month. Without me doing any of this, I would have gotten a dollar raise next month. Is that right? Really? Really? Don't do that. The other thing don't do. The boss's wife was on the phone with me. Uh, we were setting up a couple of ads on Craigslist to see if we can get people to, you know, apply for jobs. Not one call so far. Not one. I'm not surprised because, well, because. 
I know you're thinking Indeed and ZipRecruiter. They're looking into those things, but they're thinking that's not a good fit for them because, well, they don't have any money or something. I don't know. Again, I see trouble down the road. Don't do this. On the phone with the boss's wife, we're going through, you know, we're, do, we're putting in one ad for one of our open positions that we still have that the supervisor is cleaning. We're putting an ad out for that. Uh, and then so we get that set up and, and, and posted. And then an ad for, they don't want to call it office manager. They want to call it an office assistant. Office assistant. They don't want to say office manager because, you know, somebody might expect to be paid 50 grand or something. <laughs> How dare they? Instead of the, well, I'm not going to tell you. So we do that, and I'm writing through all the information that we put in there, and then it comes to the line that asks for compensation. Be detailed. You know, that means like, you know, X number a month a year, or a year, X amount a year, X amount a month, or X number, you know, for per hour, you know, something like that. So I said, okay, compensation. And she gives me a number, which was 75 cents more than what I'm making an hour. If I had had any thoughts of going back on my word to this other company that I'm going to work for, if I had had any thoughts of saying, okay, I'm going to stay with these guys, they really need me, that closed the door. I just, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't make a remark. I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I didn't point it out. I know she knows what I make. And it's just like another opportunity to say, Really? And you wonder why I'm leaving. And you wonder why I'm going to take a break. Well, I need to because I've gotten to that point in the show where I, uh, you know, sit quietly and sip a couple, you know, sips of beer and wait for the break to end. So just to rest the voice just for a little bit. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I shall return. Other guys. The finger. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune into Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network.
And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradioradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Remember last week's show? And I ended the show with uh, a movie recommendation to check out the movie The Towering Inferno from 1974, 1974, uh, uh, which is one of the better of the uh, 70s disaster movies. It was... um, Let's see. You know, there was it was the third or fourth in the, uh, in that series of movies that came out. There was an airplane or airport, uh, the Poseidon Adventure, Earthquake. Either came out just before or just after the Towering Inferno. Uh, but the Towering Inferno is one of the you know one of the better ones. Uh, um, the Poseidon Adventure was pretty good. Airport wasn't bad. Earthquake was a little meh, uh, but. You know, um, Towering, you know I, and I talked about some aspects of. I blogged about it, the the movie, The Towering Inferno. Did a review, talked about a couple of things that I didn't mention in the, in the review or yeah in the blog. And there was something, a couple other things that I was I didn't get to uh, to talk about in in that movie and the culture surrounding it uh, and what we saw in the movie. And and I thought. What the hell? I'll, I'll I'll get to it this week. I even said last week that I'm, I was thinking I I still had a couple other things I wanted to say about it. So let's let's talk about it now. It it really is a pretty good. You don't think about it too much. You know, don't think about how much uh, a million gallons of water would weigh on the top floor. <laughs> don't don't think about that. <laughs> But, you know, just there's stuff in there. You know, just don't, just just go with the movie. Have some popcorn. Have some fun. Don't 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 get too deep into the weeds on it. But like I'm gonna do here. But I'm not gonna th- worry about the tanks on the top floor there. Uh, the water tanks. But there was something uh, about the movie that I noticed. I didn't notice it when I saw it way back when in 1974 or 75 when I was about nine or ten. Uh, I didn't think about it then because that was what the world was like. I mean, this this was what we saw. This is what we we, we things were changing though, because in 1974 that was right in the middle of uh, the the women's liberation movement. You know, the height of it. Uh, there was the TV show Maud, which was uh, very much focused on women's issues, women's rights, equal rights, and that thing. Uh, the, the, the Equal Rights Amendment was had been uh, had been passed by both houses of Congress in 1972, and was they, they were sent it out to be ratified by the states, and they couldn't get enough states to ratify to put it into the um, Constitution. So, and I think there's still every now and then there's still some let's you know uh, some talk about bringing back the Equal Rights Amendment, and uh, there was you know the pill. Uh, was something uh, women were asserting their autonomy. They were they were you know t- owning their sexuality. They weren't they were being more open about it. They were uh, um, you know they they were demanding you know equal treatment in the workplace. They were opportunities for jobs and such. And they you know they for uh, right around that time you know. Uh, um, they were put pressuring, uh, pressuring banks to allow women to have their own credit cards in their name. They didn't have to have a husband, you know, they, to have a credit card. It's just these things were, were going around in the world. But when you, when you look at movies, and it still has 
a bit of it today, it's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot better. But when you go back looking at movies, especially action adventure movies, something a movie like The Towering Inferno, it's it's essentially watching men do something. Right? We're watching men you know, put out a fire in a building, rescue people. We're watching men do something. There are women there, you know. There are there are women, but they're just kind of there. But the, but we're watching movies with men doing stuff. Um, you know, sometimes uh, uh, the women are involved in the stuff that the men are doing. You know, like to rescue a woman, you know, that kind of thing. This, but or sometimes the women are there to be uh, one of the stuff. That men are that men do, if you know what I mean. You know I'm you know I'm talk, talking about I'm, you know I'm talking about you know like, talk you know the sex, you know, that's that's why they're there. It's it's you don't in the Towering Inferno. There, um, I was watching other information about it, reading about it. There were about a thousand actual fighter fighters hired to be in the movie, you know, put, brought into the film. Uh, and I don't, I don't think any of them were women. None of the command structure that was there were women. You know, the Navy was brought in. The Navy with their helicopters and that. They, they were brought into, into the film. None, no women. All right? and, and so uh, I, I was watching it now at age 57. I see that. Oh, this is okay. Something I didn't see as a kid. This is the world. This is how it is. And I see it now. I look at it now and I think, okay. And I bring that up because, well, there's a couple of things I'm going to tie together here. Uh, uh, there's that aspect. And then there's the, you know, how is it that the fire started and, and, and all that. So I'm going to tie this together in this little segment. Um, the... Uh, let's see. How do I put this? Uh, get this started. You think I'd have it all at my fingertips, but it's in my tip of my brain. The movie opens up with uh, a helicopter flying through, you know, the the air, just because that's where helicopters fly. And you know, we see it from the exterior. Most of the time, we're following it, and then then we get some shots from inside, looking out, and and uh, eventually we see you know some clouds part. As it as it glides, uh, flies over San Francisco Bay, you know we see the Golden Gate Bridge and that, and then we see inside. We're looking into the cabin of the helicopter, and and we see the pilot, and we see Paul Newman who plays the architect, and uh, he has he has the, he's beaming with this huge this this big toothy grin of of pride and excitement at. At, at, at viewing his huge erection. I mean the tower. I don't know what you thought I meant. But he sees that, right? So we, he gets there, and he's greeted by his partner, I guess, in building these types of buildings. Uh, and that's uh, the builder. Uh, that's what I'll call him. But that's played by William Holden. So the architect and the builder are there. And as I said about these movies, one of the one of the formula story bits of this of these types of movies is to introduce all these characters. And some of the main characters will have some some kind of dilemma in their lives, some sort of hard decision to make, something like that, where they're it's 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 
it's a it's a worry that they have. But then once the disaster has come and been surpassed, that dilemma doesn't seem so important anymore. They 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 get that fresh perspective, having survived the disaster. So when the architect shows up, there's the builder. They're they're coming down off the roof in an elevator and and they're talking. And the builders just can't believe that the architect wants to give up the city life, give up this architect's business, and, you know, Green Acres is the place for me. That's what he's like. He wants to go off into the wilderness and a simple life and all that kind of thing. And, and he can't believe that that's what he wants to do, but that's what the architect wants to do, right? So, okay, right, fine. Well, they have their little meeting thing, and then uh, architect decides to go down to his offices, which is down a few more floors, and he gets down there, and he gets bombarded with questions by all the architects that work for him, and like, like one half of that floor is for all of them and their cubicles and their offices and stuff, and the other half of the floor is his office, which is huge, <laughs> right? So he he goes into his office. His secretary's sitting at at her at her at her desk. And, you know, she stands up and she greets him, and he heads on over and he goes up these stairs and he's getting his key out of his pocket to open the door to his his private office, and she says, "Should I send any calls through?" And he he pauses and he looks at her and he and he points at the door and he says, "Is she in there?" And she she says, "Yeah." And he's he says, <laughs> "Hold my calls," you know. And then he goes on in, and he walks into his office. You can see his workstation area there. He's got this great big, you know, drafters ta drafting table, and he's got all this stuff, the equipment there. And he starts to walk past that, and around that, and there's a chair. There's kind of, you know, somebody sitting in the chair, and then we find out that it's his fiance, played by Faye Dunaway. So they have a little flirty talk, flirty, flirty, flirty talk, and he says, "I've got a suitcase full of." you know, naughty underwear for you. And she leads him over to this other area. She opens this door, which opens up to a bedroom. And then you look further in, there's an apartment there, but there's a bed. He's got a bed. He's got a bedroom right off of his work area in his office. Behind, you know, outside the door to his office is his secretary sitting there. And she's leading him in to the bedroom because you know what they're going to be doing, right? They're going to be doing the sex. And I thought, ew, the secretary's right, she's right out there. She knows what they're up to in there. I mean, she practically said, said, go get him, tiger, when you open the door to go on in. It's like, ew. <laughs> you know, she just said, you know, I, I think I'll take lunch. And he said, well, it's only 9.30. Well, you know, you're going to be in there boning your girlfriend in there. I'm, I don't think I want to sit out here and know that's going on. Okay? Ew. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> We don't get to see them do the sex, but we come back after it's done, and she's put on her underwear and a, and a see-through negligee thing, and he's got a bath towel wrapped around his waist, and he's laying on the bed, and here's the dilemma. Remember, he's got the Green Acres is the life for me thing going, and she's telling him she's been offered the job as, as a managing editor. She's 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 gonna be managing. I've been working for this for five years, and there it is in my grasp. And and now you want me to go to Green Acres? And he says, "Well, I guess we've got a problem here, don't we? You know, something like that." So that's their dilemma, the little the little problem. Okay. Now I said I was gonna tie it in with uh, with why the fire happened, why it happened, why it started, what's what was going on there. 
the reason the fire happened was um, the builder, he has a son-in-law, and the son-in-law's job was to, you know, procure the, the building materials and all this kind of stuff. Now, the architect, his specifications called for the top-of-the-line stuff, high above code, way above what was called for for code. You know, the, the, the gauge of wiring for the, the main electrical through the building had to be, you know, twice what was required for other skyscrapers. He was, he went to take the safety stuff. He was, he had it all specified out there. This is, these are plans. This is what needs to be done. Well, the son-in-law, apparently, uh, he, you know, cut like $2 million off the costs of, of the electrical. And, you know, and that meant stuff wasn't up to the architect's specifications. Uh, and so, you know, so the so the son-in-law's this skeevy guy played by Richard Chamberlain, and he's just, you know, it's, everything's at code, everything it was inspected and everything, and of course you know, the architect tells him, says that building, you know, the code doesn't it doesn't apply to that building. This is a, this is this is a different kind of building, or <laughs> whatever. Okay, but the thing is, it's not just the son-in-law who did the this, this skeevy, underhanded stuff. It's not just him. Because later in the film, when the father-in-law confronts the son-in-law, when the builder is telling him, you know, what did you do to, you know, the architect's, you know, uh, specifications? What did you do? And, he goes, and, 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 and the son-in-law says, well, you know, I didn't hear you complaining when I came in uh, with the electrical $2 million un under budget. He doesn't hear you complaining. And he says, oh, and by the way, how did you shave off the other $4 million you took off the budget? How did you do that? So the indication there is, is yeah, the son-in-law did some under, did some underhanded stuff, but what did the builder do? What did he do? So he's you know he's probably just as uh, responsible for what what happened because the electrical stuff just what couldn't handle all the power that was coming through that building and it started the fire. Of course, there was that 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 supply closet that was you know the fire starts here closet that had all the oily rags and big cans of paint thinner or whatever it was and spray paint and everything had everything possible that they could put in there except for the boxes of tnt right so yeah so the fire started and it happens it rages through that goes through everything and uh, you know all the excitement and the action and all the rescues and the and the not rescues and the, the water the water tanks are blown up there in which only two people from the firefighters were qualified to do this as my wife said, yeah, the fire chief and whoever he showed it to. So, so, so that all goes through. The architect and the fiance, they survive. And they meet up and they embrace. And she says, and here's how I'm tying it back to the women's lib thing and all this and the dilemmas and all that stuff. I'm tying it back. And she says, I'll go anywhere you want. And she lists places that might not be desirable places to go to. I'll go with you there. I'll go with you here. I'll, I'll go with you anywhere you want. You know, uh, 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 as long as I'm with you. You know, that kind of thing. Right? All right. But the thing is, <laughs> it realistically, the architect should have said to her, well, you know, baby, I don't think we're going anywhere because <laughs> I'm probably going to prison. Because, <laughs> you know, you just had all these people die. You had this tower catch on fire. All these firefighters, that there's a bunch of them died. A bunch of people died. All this property destruction. You know, all these businesses. All this stuff. You, the, the businesses that were in there. The people who had apartments that lived in there. You know, just, all that has been destroyed in one night. 
you're probably going to prison. At the very least, you're getting your ass sued, so you're going to need a job. Of course, you probably won't be able to be an architect anymore because who's going to want to be and build, you know, have you design one of their buildings? You design the towering inferno. And the same thing goes for the builder. He survived. The son-in-law did not. Sorry, he didn't make it. But the father, but the builder, he survives, and he has that stupid cheesy line at the end from him coming from him. It was like. You know, he says to his daughter, all we can do is make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. Well, yeah, we'll keep you from building buildings. <laughs> How about that? Because he's never going to build another building in his life. He's going to get sued. He's going to go to prison. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't go into that at the end of the film. It would be cool, though, if uh, let's I'll headcanon this and say, you know what ends up happening is uh, the architect character he you know he becomes a crusader for safer skyscrapers he he and he teams up with the fire chief the Steve McQueen character they team up and they become you know super building builders <laughs> and they build super safe skyscrapers around the world and get married and have children and live happily ever after something like that. All right, I'm not a screenwriter. But I am ready to go to my next break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I'll return after I sit quietly for a while. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. I'm Mick West. In my podcast, Tales from the Rabbit Hole, I've extended conversations with people who have been involved in conspiracy culture. I do this for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it's really interesting. These people have great stories about how they fell down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, what they did down there, and what it was that helped them out. Sometimes I also talk to people who investigate conspiracy theories, and they have equally fascinating stories from the other side. Secondly, I want to understand how best to prevent the spread of conspiracy theories and misinformation, which is an increasing problem in a time when alternative media is exploding. The best way to do this is to communicate effectively with the people involved, and the best way to do that is with a nice long chat. Check it out. Tales from the Rabbit Hole. TFTRH.com Hang on, I'm writing something here. Dimland Radio, 
here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I was just writing down the name of that tune that we were listening to. It's just as we were coming out of the bumper, or coming out of the break, the bumper we were listening to. It's called America is Waiting. It's, uh, uh, it's by Brian Eno and David Byrne. David Byrne of the Talking Heads, you remember him. Brian Eno was a big-time music producer. I think, what band was he in? Uh, was it Roxy Music? I think it was Roxy Music. I think Brian Eno was in Roxy Music. Was that it? Uh, email me and let me know. You know, you can, you can send me emails if you want. Ask a question, see something you want me to talk about, look into, whatever, check out, give it, you know, you can do that. You can send it to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. You can also check out my show notes by going to dimland.com. There's a blog, not a blog, uh, show notes blog op- option. You just click on that and it'll get you to them. And you can, um, you know, you can subscribe to the show through Apple uh, podcasts or through uh, uh, Podbean or most any place that you can get uh, uh, podcasts. I think uh, uh, Podcast Addict, uh, that app, if you have Android and not iPhone. If you have Android, you can use that. What else is there? Um, if you're trying to listen to the show, because um, my longtime listener, I mean my longtime very loyal listener, Trisha, uh, she was unable to attend the playing of the show last Saturday. So she wanted to see you know, where she could download it. Because normally she listens to it on the Saturday when I post it on ZTalk Radio. Uh, well, you can go to the ZTalk Radio archives page, which looks weird. It's a weird-looking page. But what you do for my show, I, I purposefully put the number of the show first. So you just scroll down. You know, it'll say, you know, this, this is a show number 500, you know, 532. Uh, so it'll say 532 Dimland Radio and the date. So you just scroll down to the bottom. There's an awful lot of them in there. There's a, almost all of the 532 shows are there on the show archives page. Almost all of them. There's only a handful in the earlier ones that uh, got lost. I don't have them. I don't know what happened to them. But um, uh, so so you can do that. So if you can just click on it and listen to it right there, for, or you can download it from there too. You right click on it or something like that. So it just, those are ways to get the show, you know. And uh, and I, you know, it's weird. I, I, I don't think I I don't I, I look at the numbers on the Podbean because that's where I post everything on Podbean. You know, I put up the shows for that just distributes it out there. And I see that you know, like I, I'll get downloads every day. I'm getting like you know, twelve downloads, thirteen downloads, ten, three. You know, but it seems like almost every day I'm getting downloads, which is cool. But my numbers aren't like, you know, the, the Geologic Podcast. He just said recently that he's had 7 million downloads. 7 million. What am I doing wrong? I don't know. Nobody knows I'm here. I'm the best kept secret on the internet. So, so you're in a very exclusive group if you're listening to this. So you should feel proud. <sighs> I'm not padding. I'm not padding. <laughs> I just thought I'd bring out a couple of these things for you there. Anyway, that song, America is Waiting, uh, it's off of Brian Eno and David Burns. Uh, brilliant, I think it, uh, what year was it, 1982, uh, 83, somewhere in there, the album came out. And it's called My Life in the Bush of Ghosts. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, I may have talked about it recently, uh, but it's just... It's just experimental music, but it's you know, talking heads-ish. 
you can have some feel there of it. Um, neither Brian uh, or nor uh, uh, David sing on any of the tracks. What they do is they they pull sound from like like what we were listening to there was uh, in America's Waiting. The the voice you're hearing that's a that's a radio a talk radio guy, and just pulling some sounds like like, like these found a bit of uh, uh, of people talking of uh, of uh, people doing a, a, some kind of a, a chant or something. They're put in sort of as the lyrics of these songs. It's just it's it's very fascinating. Or I think it's cool. It's a brilliant album, so you should check it out. I saw this on Facebook the other day. Uh, there's a there's a fellow that's a Facebook friend of mine. He and I will yeah, we'll communicate a little bit here and there. Uh, his wife used to be a co-host on a show here on Z Talk, and and I got to know him through her, just you know through chat in the chat room and then through Facebook we would talk to each other and and he does ghost investigating. So I hope if he does listen to this, I hope he doesn't feel insulted at all. But um, he posted something. And it was a, uh, a uh, you know, uh, it was a link to, uh, I, I forget which channel, uh, which cable channel it's on, if it's a history channel or the travel channel or something like that. Ghost Adventures, right? That's hosted by this guy named Zach Baggins or something. And he's big in the paranormal entertainment field. And I'd, I'd known of this show. Right, you know, there were the ghost hunters, and there was all these other, you know, ghost shows, paranormal. It's all let's 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 all go out to some scary old place and creep around and trip over each other in the dark, and not find ghosts. Let's go do that, <laughs> and get a TV show out of it. Well, you know that Zach Baggins or Beggins Baggins. Anyway, so he gets himself a show with these other four other uh, yabos that they're doing this thing. And yeah, that's what they do. The, the formula of the show is you find a creepy place that has a creepy story and you set it to some, you know, you, have, you, you take some video that's creepy visuals set to creepy music with a creepy voiceover of about, you know, four or five people stumbling around in the dark saying, what was that? Did you hear that? Did you see that? What was that? And you got yourself a show. Because that's what it is. I mean, I I, I I, can't say that absolutely for certain. I have to be honest with you. I haven't watched a lot of these things. I've seen some stuff. I did some looking at this stuff. I couldn't believe the thing was still on the air. It started, it went on the air in 2008. There's been over 250 episodes or so, plus a bunch of specials. And what do you got a show for it? 21 seasons. I, That's another thing. I remember when a season correlated with the number of years a show was on. How many seasons was... Uh, uh, was uh, 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 sorry, uh, I'm trying to pick a show. Uh, Star Trek, uh, the original series. How many seasons was that? It was three. How many years was it on? Three. You know, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. How many seasons? Seven. How many years? Seven. Mash, how many seasons? Eleven. How many years? Eleven. You know, it's just like it's it, it, that's it, it, we had that correlation, right? We don't have that anymore. Survivor's been on for three hundred and forty seasons. I don't know how many years. 
It's just like, it's just, what's a season? <sighs> That's why the, in the UK they got it right. They call them series. They don't call them seasons. They call them series. So, you know, but I don't know. It just got so used to, I'm old. I'm old. I got so used to a season correlating with number of years. Number of seasons, number of years being the same thing. So anyway, so apparently there's been 21 seasons in the 14 years. So what is 2008? Yeah, 14 years that the show's been on. There's been 21 seasons, 14 years. I don't know how you do that. You do the math. And what have they produced other than creepy shows with creepy visuals and creepy sounds and lots of, did you hear that? What was that? What have they done? What have, have they established that ghosts exist? No. No, they haven't. Not even close. I was watching some clips of the damn thing. There's one uh, where, where Zach is telling us about this haunted museum that he has. He bought this place. He's made some money off of this. He's made some money off of the gullibility of the people that watch it. Now, there may be people that watch it because they just they don't believe in any of it. It's all a bunch of nonsense, and they just find it funny and silly and all that. Fine. But then there are people that watch it go, that just eat it up. They're just gullible enough to believe all this shit. And they just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that. I believe that that guy off camera was thrown several feet through the air. I believe that happened. Happened off camera. Didn't see it, but the guy said it happened. Dude, I was thrown over there. Dude, bro, you were here, and now all of a sudden you're all the way over there. Wow, dude, bro. And then and then Zach. This was this was in a video clip of the four scariest moments of of uh, of ghost adventures. After the one dude got thrown all that distance by some ghost out in a field that supposedly is near this bridge, in which uh, uh, well the field is near this bridge, but where a supposed lynching had happened, and so that the ghost that was lynched, or the person that was lynched, became as a ghost and haunted the place, or something like that. So this black, this guy said, "I felt this black mass press against me, and then I got thrown and all this." And and so Zach was feeling up up uh, upstage by his uh, you know subordinate, and so Zach starts choking himself. Dude, I'm being possessed. I'm choking myself. Zach, knock it off, knock it off, Zach. And I've been standing there saying, "Let him choke himself." Let him do it. He's not going to get hurt. Oh, he might bruise himself a little bit, but he's not going to get hurt. He's going to, if he persists at it, he's going to pass out. He'll let go of his neck. He'll start breathing and he'll be fine. He's not possessed. He's just, he's just acting. He's just performing. He's just doing this. I mean, well, maybe I can't say that for sure. Right? I mean, but if you got two choices, you got a choice that he's being possessed by some demon and forced to choke himself, or he's doing this for theatricality and to get people to watch and get those ratings and be able to buy himself a haunted museum. Which do you think is more likely? I know which one I think is more likely. There's a third possibility that he may not be all together up there. You know, He may be suffering from some sort of mental illness. Maybe. But I think that's a that's a long shot, a way out. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't jump to that one. The one I jumped to is that he's just putting it on. Dude, I got thrown through the air off camera. Of course, we didn't get it, but you know, of course. <clears throat> There's one the haunt. He got the haunted museum. He got the haunted museum. It was a 14 minute clip on YouTube. So I, I got through about 
four minutes of it because it was just, I found it so freaking annoying. Within two and a half minutes, now they had some lights on at this point. They're walking through. They walk by this uh, old cuckoo clock that's up on the wall. This is in his haunted museum, which you know seems like a like he seems like he's uh, he's not quite saying, "Hey, come see my haunted museum," because it's haunted. Hey, the work crew, the work crew that was working on this on the, on the haunted museum, they all just dropped their tools and walked off. The place was too haunted for them. Anyway, so they're walking through, and they go by this clock, and it starts ticking. Oh, that clock doesn't work. It doesn't tick. And now it's ticking. So you've got to do this to make it tick. And, and Zach's showing how you, how you can make it tick. Or you, you can stop it from ticking. And he's showing that. And I'm thinking, what, one of these other guys doesn't know that? Couldn't just reach up and made it tick and say, oh, look, look, it's ticking. And then so while they're investigating the clock, there was a sound. A sound that, that was like, uh, something like that. A sound like that. Right? And... And, and, and there was the, it, it, like I said, it took uh, less than two and a half minutes in this clip for somebody to say, what was that? Did you hear that? What was that? And then, you know, of course, uh, in the show, they play it back. So you hear it. And it's just like, wah, wah. you hear something like that, right? Off, you know, somewhere. Then went, ah, and they started saying it's, a, it's, it's the sound of a laughing child. And I said, I don't know. I'm, it's just me, but uh, I wanted to raise my hand in the back of the room. Excuse me. It's just me, but uh, is there a cat around? Because that sounded like a cat to me. Cats make that kind of noise. They make all kinds of noises. And I've heard cats make that. I have a cat living in this house. You've listened to this show. You may have heard the cat making certain noises as I do my show. You know, I call it felinus interruptus, where she comes in and tries to give me some nonsense about some, you know, some paranormal thing. Oh, I know what she's saying when she comes in and starts meowing at me. You get, anybody got a cat around here? That sounded like to me. Ugh, God. And you know, that's the whole thing about these shows. The ghost hunting shows. Remember Finding Bigfoot? I don't know how many seasons that was on. You know, 48 seasons, but it was on for two years. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how many seasons it was on. But we do know what it, what it didn't accomplish. We know what it didn't accomplish. And it didn't accomplish finding a Bigfoot. That's what it didn't do. Not finding Bigfoot. And the thing is, with all these shows... You know, as if you're a viewer of the show, I, I'm going to talk to you seriously now. If you're a viewer, I, I know you might be insulted but that I don't take them seriously, and I think they're a waste of your time, and I think you're gullible for believing. If you believe in what you're seeing on that show, you are gullible. You need to start working on that. You need to start working on that. There was there was one clip they showed some uh, in, in one of these things where a guy's standing down the basement. He's wearing period clothing for some reason, and there's a shot where you can see in somebody's elbow and hand cast a shadow on the wall. There was nobody there. There was nobody there, and this, this and it clearly had claws on the hand. No, it was clearly somebody standing off camera that leaned their arm into the light, into the lighting, and cast a shadow. Come on. You can think that's that's some shadow person. You can think it's some ghost or whatever you think it is, or or is it somebody standing and their arm moved in front of a light? 
What seems more likely to you? So the thing that you got to, if you believe these shows, and again, you got to work on your gullibility. You got to work on it. If you believe these shows, and you watch them, these shows, you got to know something. You got to know one thing. You got, when you were watching Finding Bigfoot, when you were watching that show, you had to know start, right from the, the beginning of the episode till the very end of the episode, to the first episode, to the very last one. You got to know going in that they don't find Bigfoot. You know why you should know that. You know why you should know that the ghost hunting people never find a ghost, never establish that ghosts actually exist? You know why you should know that? Because it's not in the news. If somebody, if one of these numbnuts had tripped over a Bigfoot in the Finding Bigfoot show and actually established that there's an actual creature with the pendulous breasts. Ah, oh, those pendulous breasts. Hmm. Sorry, uh, if they actually did stumble upon an actual Bigfoot, the news would not wait until their season finale. It would be news right away. It would get out there. If these, if these dipshits walking around in the dark, stumbling over each other, saying, What was that? Did you see that? Did you hear that? If they actually established that ghosts were a thing... It would be in the news. So you know going in. They don't do anything. All they do is find anomalies. I can explain it. I don't know what that was, so it must be a ghost. How long have I been going on about this? <laughs> so when you watch those shows, please, watch them ironically. Watch them... Uh, uh, skeptically, watch them and just to to laugh at these people, to make you to watch them so you feel superior to anybody else who who would actually believe something like this. But don't believe it, because if you do, you you need to work on your gullibility. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. Yeah, that's the end of another show. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, not just a shadow on the wall, not just somebody off camera got thrown somewhere. Anyway, get vaccinated, Get your wear a mask if you need to, and do those things. We've got to do that. And uh, uh, this is your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. I think you hurt my head real bad. I'm dizzy. I need a doctor. Well, I'm going to hell. hell.